What's going on, guys? AJ here bringing you yet another episode of the E1B2 Collector Podcast. Actually, let me take a sip of water before I start this uh, this content here. So today, it's going to be a tad bit different. I've done this before, um, about probably, I don't know, 25 or 30 episodes ago. I have a very exciting talk at Weekdays at Bernie's. This is a uh, an HR event. That's located and held within Nashville, Nashville, Tennessee. Really cool. First of all, objectively great city. Um, it's just objectively great. I was going to say something inappropriate, but I just decided to not do that. But it's objectively a great city. Um, and um, I'm excited for it. And so what I've had to do is I've tried to create different talking points because I'm not necessarily a traditional keynote speaker where you set up um, PowerPoint slides and things of that nature. I am more of a guy that has general topics and macro theses, and then I inevitably can jump down rabbit holes and, and share a few points of views, um, frankly, ad hoc to a certain degree. And so that's what I'm going to do today, just kind of go over my timing, go over some thoughts and perspectives and value that I'm trying to bring, and uh, we'll get out of here. So the first thing that I, <clears throat> excuse me, that I have is neuroscience and diversity of thought. So I'll put a little X in the middle because we all know that represents and or um, along with. And so neuroscience and diversity of thought. So I think as we think about DEI and neuroscience, the folks over at uh, Neural Leadership with David Rock, they're doing some phenomenal work. They're getting really deep into understanding literally at the brain level, what's different, like what's happening, what's happening um, with some of the processing uh, variables within literally the subconscious and in the frontal cortex. They're figuring out what's happening when it comes to threat responses, reward responses. They're thinking about um, lots of different factors at a very scientific level. Now, at an, at an, overall, um, at an overall neuroscience level from a psychology perspective and, and a leadership perspective, I think it's incredibly important that leaders understand at least those factors. They understand each and every employee in, in what in what will be a trigger and or a threat response, what will be a trigger towards a positive and, and reward response. Inevitably, um, how much how much information it takes to inevitably turn some of their actions into, into a subconscious behavior. So these are certain things that I think a lot of people are not thinking about, right? Beyond that, though, when it gets into the world of DE&I, there's so many different points of views and thoughts and perspectives that many folks have that sit in, and sit inside of teams. Now, now, typically the way in my opinion, how things have worked thus far is there's a leader at the top of the organization, then there's leaders at the top of a department, and then there's leaders at the top of certain teams. Now, for me, when I think about the cross between neuroscience, the psychology of neuroscience, and the psychology in the background of diversity of thought, the very first problem that I personally see, there's too much ego sitting at the top of these departments, teams, and orgs. What I mean by that is there's not enough knowledge, not enough a desire to obtain the knowledge of the neuroscience factors, of the psychology factors, when it comes to, is it a really good idea to listen to someone else's perspective? There's many leaders that sit at the top of these departments, teams, orgs, that believe that since they've spent 15, 20, 30, 40 years understanding the craft, that they feel like any other thoughts, points of views don't need to be heard and or they're don't, they're, it doesn't need to be heard at scale, doesn't need to be heard in moments, or there doesn't need to be processes and operations built to hear more of it. 
Now, I think that's a big flaw, right? So that's the number one factor that we all have to call out. If anyone listening feels they have ego sitting sitting at the forefront, feel they have some of these variables sitting at the forefront, that's just objectively not a great idea. And I think there's a lot of things that we can do to rework and rewire some of that egotistical thinking and, and, and framework and perspective. Now, moving beyond that, what are we now doing? Let's talk about the benefits of, of diversity of thought. When you have folks inside of your team that just literally think about problems differently, attack problems differently, bring up diversity of thought from an, from an innovation and new ideas perspective, that is just objectively a really, really, really good idea, right? Like, I think we all can agree, the more innovation, the more thoughts, the more streamlined of new things that are coming into the team and the department, innovations are going to spike, Now, I don't care what industry you're in. I don't care if you're in fintech. I don't care if you're in the HR tech space. I don't care if you're in the automotive industry. I don't care if you're in the clothing industry. I don't care if you're in the medical space. I don't care where you are. There needs to be, in my personal opinion, constant tweaks, innovation moments within teams that can then trickle all the way up to inevitable innovation that happens at the top of the organization, which inevitably the consumers, customers, partners, the market will feel, right? And so what we've covered thus far, just so I can slow down, we've covered the inevitable reality of why diversity of thought matters and why it's important. We've, ta- we've covered the psychology that many leaders have and how they need to rewire their brain. Now, let's get even deeper into diversity of thought, right? So as we get even deeper into diversity of thought, now we need to figure out, okay, how are we going to systematize this? How are we going to build operations and processes around this? I think if you hold monthly meetings with each and every one of your team members, I think if you have a running shared Google Doc or whatever type of format you want to use, where there are constant moments where, number one, before you started a new project or task or you set out KPIs, OKRs, or the overall focus, you go to your people first and say, Does anyone have a different point of view? Would anyone go about getting this work done differently? Does anyone have a different thought when it comes to the current focuses that we have in place here? That right there is going to create a a lot more inclusive moment, a lot more of a a cohesive team. It's going to create that reward response that I was talking about in the beginning. Now, moving beyond that, once you have these shared Google documents, once you have these cadences where you're consistently meeting up, now you can really see and keep a running tab on new ideas, keep a running tab on tweaks, keep a running tab on adjustments. And if you're a really great leader, which I'm trying to help you become, you can check those Google Docs. You can check those new ideas. You can try to implement certain things. You can appreciate the diversity of the thought, the innovations, the points of views. These are all incredibly important. Like everything that I'm saying should be put in place if you're trying to manage and run not only a diverse team of backgrounds, but diverse executions. Because here's the factor and here's the key, right? I've seen many companies and many people take my advice and then they get to the point where they have all these new ideas, all this innovation, all these one-on-ones, all this information, all these great moments brewing, yet the companies, the departments are doing nothing about it. So let's back up all the way here. As we think about the brain, as we think about reward responses and threat responses, as we think about negativity that may brew, as we think about innovation, as we think about the leaders rewiring their mind and looking at things from a different point of view, why the hell would a Google Doc shared document, why the hell would any new ideas being created and being funneled through the organization matter if you're actually not going to put it in place, if you're actually not going to try the things that we're inevitably talking about here? 
That is the fundamental issue that so many companies are struggling with. So many companies may understand the neuroscience factor. So many companies and leaders may understand the psychology factor. So many companies and leaders may have these cadences of these one-on-one meetings and these structures and these systems and these disciplines. And they're missing the biggest fucking component. Now, I mean to drop the F-bomb here, but I'm, I'm just so passionate about this. How are you actually giving some of these new ideas energy? Are you giving them energy? Are you giving them thoughts? Are you giving these, these new ideas in these moments a little bit of breathing room? Are you actually doing some A-B testing? What are you doing to change the actual things that are occurring inside of your company by generally utilizing these new ideas that are coming in? So that's my overall, I think, macro perspective on some of this work. Now, let's get into looking into the future from like a DNI perspective when it comes to innovations, right? I think we need to understand and learn a little bit more about how DNI influences uh, benefits, bonuses, and just overall comp, right? I think what's, hap- what's happening over at Comp with Amy Sperling, I've talked about this at a scale. I think there's a lot of great things happening there. The very first thing I think is great is, you know, they're doing a great job, Comp, if you will, of understanding the overall macro psychology, right? The macro psychology of Comp is very simple. They understand when it comes to DEI, when it comes to diversity, it is incredibly impactful and important to understand that differences, flexibility, and nuances when it comes to employee benefits and recognition and building out benefits, recognition, and comp programs contextual to the individual human being and giving them the control to navigate that based off the ebbs and flows of their life is probably a really, really good idea. It's probably a really good idea to not give Sally, who was a mother of seven, at 52 years old with significant school debt because she got her doctorate degree and has her, you know, has her dying mother living with her. It probably is a good idea to not have her with the same level of benefits as Andrew, the 26 year old SDR with no kids living in Manhattan in a penthouse with with mommy and daddy's credit card and, and whatever the case is going to be, right? Like it, it probably is a good idea that even though they may sit within the same department at the same role, at the same team, does not mean their benefits and their, and, and their employee recognition programs and initiatives need to remain the same. And so at a high level psychology perspective and then getting deep into the tangible executions of it, it makes more sense. It makes so much more sense to build out a program, to build out systems and best practices and operations to breed that psychology, right? Oh, breed that psychology, to breed that diversity, right? So let's let's break it down here. If you have a, a system, it could be your HRS systems, it can be utilizing comp, it can be however you want to have it. If you can say, you know what, when it comes to when it comes to employee recognition and when it comes to certain benefits outside of your traditional. We're going to go to each employee, going based off of these two examples, mother of seven, single guy in Manhattan. We're going to go to each one of them and we're going to say each quarter, we're going to have a cadence where we're going to sit down and have a monthly one-on-one to understand what is important or a quarterly one-on-one to understand what's most important to you in these variances of categories. So for the mother of seven, the categories that she may pick may be money towards you know school supplies it may be stipends towards food it may be um discounts off on summer camps it may be um it may be you know mental health 
classes online because she's feeling a lot of stress with the ailing mother, the seven kids, the high demanding job, whatever she decides to pick, the company being able to build in that that inclusive nature, that 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 diversity of the complexities of the different things that they're offering through her point of view. Too many companies are trying to create these recognition programs, these benefits through the point of view of what they think employees want. How egotistical is that? Let's really break that down. How egotistical is it as organizations that we're going to tell our employees what should matter to them? Why don't we allow to build systems and operations in place where they can tell us what's most important to them on a quarterly basis? Because the number one thing that I know, and I wrap up my rant in this podcast this way, the number one thing that I know is that life is fucking crazy, right? And every three months, personally in my, my life and many others' lives, my focus is my priority and, and things that are important to me may ebb and flow. Like right now, my, my wedding, um, uh, my, my mental health, and my, my, my business right now are really main three core focuses. My health is not a really good big focus right now. Leisure is not a really big focus right now. Um, what else could be, you know, whatever the case is going to be, right? So, but, but maybe once the wedding is done, maybe once um, I'm out of the job search process, my mental health in the wedding may not be a factor anymore. Maybe my leisure and some other things may kind of grab my attention a little bit more. And if a company were to give me financials, give me stipends, give me something towards certain things that are more of a focus and an importance in my life now, that would make me look at the company a little bit different. That would make me engage with my team and my leader in the company a little bit different. That would show me that the company has a little bit of awareness at a level that is completely different than most brands. Because most brands think from a very egotistical lens, think from a very traditional lens. And what I'm trying to help do in this podcast and definitely when I'm coming to Nashville is I'm trying to have these organizations and these HR leaders look at things from a different point of view, from an empathetic point of view, from an inclusive point of view. Allow your people to drive the benefits and the conversations and the reward programs. Allow them to tell you what's going to matter to them on a month by month, on a quarter by quarter, on a six month by six month, on a yearly basis. And, and the biggest thing is allow them to even give you the bullet points of the options. Don't put it in such a situation where you are only allowing them to pick from these things from your egotistical point of view based off of your P&L, based off of what other competitors are doing. Have those fireside chats, put out those surveys, have those conversations to understand what your people are actually looking for when it comes to reward programs, when it comes to recognition programs, and when it comes to benefits and cop. Thanks so much.